We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Sox Machine Live, a special edition Sox Machine Live as we are streaming on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Sox Machine on this Wednesday night, October 5th. I'm Josh Nelson alongside Jim Margulis and Jim the Chicago White Sox 2022 season is over. Finally. Oh, no. No. <laughs> Say it ain't so. Please. Please come back. One more game. <laughs> uh, yes, the 2022 season is finally over for the Chicago White Sox as they finish 81 and 81 in the most White Sox way possible by losing 10 to 1 to the Minnesota Twins. And in the final day, uh, this has suddenly became a very hot topic. Jose Abreu. We -hmm. talked about this in our previous episode on Monday, Jim. Posing the question, is this the last time we're going to see Jose Abreu play in a White Sox uniform? And we both say it is. And based on the comments that Jose Abreu is providing when he's being asked this question for these last final home games, uh, it sounds like the future is very unclear for Jose Abreu to come back. Maybe he knows that these are the last games for him in a White Sox uniform. However, he doesn't play the final game. And not only does he not play the final game, he doesn't even come out to be accepted as a standing ovation for fans. All we see him is that the hoodie is up. He's mm-hmm. been mostly sitting in the tunnel in the clubhouse and then he throws some shirts at the end uh, to fans and then he ducks out and manager Miguel Cairo says it's because that they were respecting Jose Bray's wishes. He didn't really want a, a send off. And how do you feel about this, Jim, from, from someone that's in Nashville and is watching all the games mm-hmm. on TV? How do you feel about this? It's weird. Um, you know, I get the whole idea of, you know, respecting his wishes, you know, and he's been the consummate pro. So, you know, he's done everything right by the White Sox. So the White Sox should do right by him. But you also have to do right by your customers. And if, you know, 
Jose Abreu is the primary reason why thousands of fans are there for one of the most disappointing seasons uh, you know, anybody can remember and sticking it out through a terrible start to the game, hoping to see like, you know, one, uh, you know, one appearance, whether he comes out to first base, takes some warm up throws and then leaves, you know, and doesn't even you know have to stretch, you know, just to be able to be out there and, and get a round of applause. Like it seemed like that should have, been something like i don't get the you know he's wearing the uniform but he's not wearing the uniform like he you know he's wearing a hoodie you know you're not even seeing like a brave 79 on the back like it just it's a weird way for it to end and you know i, I think you know on the other end you had the cubs with wilson Contreras and like two teary goodbyes because at the trade deadline he didn't go anywhere and so he has another you know farewell at the very end that's you know just as emotional and that's a little bit overdone but you would think after nine years and and you know Abreu being you know the, the primary Jersey seller and uh, the you know reason to watch for so many years and two rebuilds, one that failed, one that might be failing and him being like the, the one thing that's kept it all together. You'd think there'd be more of something, you know, maybe the white Sox didn't want to do a video tribute because that might signal that they're done with them. So maybe the white Sox didn't want to do anything, but like Miguel Cairo, like he's barely been here. Like it's kind of a weird thing. Like it's his decision, but He's been the manager for a month. You know, he's been around for, you know, it just felt like a disconnect between the dugouts and the clubhouse and the customers that, you know, there should have been more. And, you know, maybe the you know, White Sox fans could have done more. You know, maybe they should have, uh, you know, demanded that Jose, you know, just do the Jose chant for three innings until, you know, somebody comes out to shut him up. But you know, aside from that, like, you know, White Sox fans have been asked to do so much already uh, with this rebuild that like, you know, at, forcing a Brea to come out versus like, you know, just give the fans something to cheer for the end, like do a Joe Maurer thing, you know, ceremonial doesn't have to be, you know, much of anything just, you know, I don't know. It, it It's weird. And uh, I feel bad for like, if that's the reason why fans went to the ball game and, you know, stuck it through a, a 10, nothing deficit that became 10, one at the very end, like, yeah, it's, it's not good. It's very white Sox. I will say that well, I will... it is and it isn't. I mean, the White Sox love celebrating themselves and they love the sentiment and the, and the schmaltz. So it was, you know, uh, White Sox and that was mishandled, but also un-White Sox and that they did not get enamored with their own sentiment and history. Well, they played. So this is where it was weird. Second to last game of the season, Abreu, I guess, we're assuming his last at bat in a Chicago White Sox uniform. And he's coming up to the plate and they're playing Tina Turner's simply the best. And it caught me off guard because again, we've been watching Jose Abreu play with the White Sox for nine seasons. We know mm -hmm. the walk-up music for Jose Abreu. And I didn't know what that hinted at. And, and I just thought, well, this is odd timing because there's one more game left to go. Why are you sending him off now? And on my walk home from the stadium and I checked Twitter and Cairo says that Abreu's not playing the final game. I became a meatball fan for a brief moment. Like, what do you mean he's not playing WTF White Sox and Jose Abreu? And yeah, I just, it, it is this weird situation of like, what do you owe the fans? even if you are uncomfortable saying goodbye, or maybe you don't want to say goodbye because you don't know what the future holds. Maybe you are coming back to the White Sox. 
maybe you are not. And based on Twitter and, you know, his send off and the images that they put on social media, right. Uh, for the mm-hmm. Chicago White Sox on, beh- uh, on behalf of Jose Abreu, those seemed like he was saying goodbye. So I don't know. It, it wouldn't take much effort for him to come out of the dugout, maybe for the ninth inning or after the game ends. And he just waves to the crowd and it could be, one way of just saying goodbye, thank you for watching me this season, or it could be goodbye, goodbye. Uh, best of luck uh, next season. Uh, I'm going to be mm-hmm. signing with another team. Yeah, I mean, it could be like just not even necessarily goodbye, but hey, it's the only position player worth a damn all year. <laughs> it's kind of what it was. I mean, like you look at, you know, uh, yeah, Aloy Jimenez had some moments. Andrew Vaughn had some moments, but like when it comes to durability and production, like Abreu was the only one who offered the combination of both. So, you know, it, that's why it's weird. You know, to you know, he he plays 158 games a year, 160 games a year. Hates being on the lineup, but last game of the year, like when fans you know most want to see him, he's not there. And that's, I mean, yeah, I, I get that. You know, his wishes are important, but yeah, I mean, like some things, you know, like it's not necessarily about him. You know, it's, it's not, it's not about only him, especially like when you have, you know, paying customers on the other side, it's about them as well. So I think there was probably some compromise that could have been reached to minimize the awkwardness, but also say like, here's one last thing you have to do. And then the white Sox aren't paying you anymore. So you're free to go. Yeah. Well, another thing that we have to be mindful of is that Davis Martin, who started the last game for the Chicago white Sox did not have a good game at all. Gave up six runs in the first inning and got yanked out in the second inning because of injury. And the White Sox are reporting that it is a sore right bicep. Ladies and gentlemen, I could not, if I had an alarm by me, Jim, I would be pounding that alarm. This is a red alert. And let's hope with some rest that it's nothing significant, but usually the bicep injury suggests there's something else bigger happening. Mm-hmm. It would just be, it would just be so 2022 on the final day, someone that we think could be the number five starter or compete for the number five starter role for the Chicago white Sox in 2023 now has suddenly a significant arm injury. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that, that was the top of my uh, recap was saying that like Davis Martin is one guy I think who could walk away from the season uh, feeling great about what he accomplished and, and how he fits in the team going forward and what he offered them and, you know, overachieving and, and you know, going from off the radar to a credible fifth starter on a team that had some postseason aspirations and though those aspirations um, uh, evaporated and they could not make good on them, come close to making good on them. Like he wasn't the reason why. So he could hold his head high and then, yeah, sure. He leaves his uh, start in the second inning. His ERA jumps uh, more than a run. And, you know, now you're looking, it's weird. Like how much one star changes things because like if he left or if his season ended after his fine start in San Diego, He's got a 3.65 ERA and throwing 60, you know, 120 something innings, I think, between minors and the majors and looking good for it. You could say like, yeah, he's he's a credible fifth starter or maybe he's a sixth starter and you have like a, you know, another Vince Velasquez signing to give him, you know, keep him honest and, and, and see if there's somebody else who he can, you know. Also try to, you know, because Velasquez, like, I think they had some bigger plans for him before the lockout, you know, basically ruined their entire offseason for maybe prepping him for the season. Velasquez actually ended up being like, 
fine or like exactly Vince Velasquez, no more, no less. So, I mean, like, I think the White Sox, when it comes to that signing, you know, they got what they they hope for from him. But I, I could see like a signing where they just, you know, have a couple extra candidates for the fifth starter spot and say, okay, you know, best man wins. And, uh, but now you have him with a 4.83 ERA. And because of the bicep issue at the very end, it's like, on one hand, you don't want one game to decide your decision, you know, just how you feel about a guy one way or another. But yeah, as you mentioned, bicep is sometimes it's shoulder, you know, like uh, sometimes it's, you know, reflective of more. Yeah. Like sometimes like forearm tightness reflects an elbow injury, like bicep is also, or, you know, often linked to something in the shoulder. So yeah, it's, they minimized it because it's the end of the season and yeah, you know, there's nothing preventing him from taking his next start because there are no next starts for the year. So they can kind of mask it if they want to, but uh, yeah, it's something you have to keep in mind. So I think, you know, when it comes to the fifth starting job, I, I think probably going into the season or going into the off season and then thinking about spring training, you really can't afford to have him have the inside track for the fifth starter job. I think you can, if you believe it is performance, but now if he's hurt, you're right. You can't. And the thing about the white Sox is they don't have starting pitching depth. Now it goes to Sean Burke. I mean, the white Sox are lacking so much on the starting pitching depth front. They didn't have enough starting pitchers for the Charlotte Knights. The Charlotte Knights had to throw three bullpen games in a five game series. They only had two (laughs) starting pitchers. Your triple a team only had two starting pitchers for the season. And the other three games were bullpen games. This is, and we're going to get to Rick Hahn, but this is a a concern. And of course, just like one more kick in the nuts for this 2022 season. We have Mm -hmm. to wait weeks, maybe months later in this off season to learn on just the severity of Davis Martin's injury. Hopefully it is not hopefully with rest, He is fine, but we have seen this before. We saw a great example is Carlos Rodon. That was a bicep problem until it became a shoulder problem. And then it became Tommy John. So let's fingers crossed. And hopefully Davis Martin is not dealt with a significant injury, especially with how, especially with how well he pitched in San Diego. It would make Mm -hmm. sense if he was hurt because he was pitching so poorly against the twins. It's like, what happened here between San Diego and Chicago arriving in Chicago against the twins. Well, maybe he was hurt in that first inning and that's why the twins beat him up. So again, the white Sox lose the final game of the regular season, 10 to one. They finished second place in the American league central with an 81 and 81 record. will hold a parade between 35th and Morgan to 31st and Morgan. Uh, so we can celebrate this 500 season because the white Sox front office promised parades. Damn it. If they're not going to deliver parades, we will, even though it may be in a joking manner. Uh, The White Sox lose the season series to the Minnesota Twins. So for those keeping score at home, they lost the season series to Cleveland, Minnesota, and Kansas City. So that's why (laughs) you don't win a division uh, when you can't win season series against your division opponents. So that is how the 2022 regular season ends for the Chicago White Sox. And now, at least for White Sox fans, uh, we enter the offseason. The official offseason for Major League Baseball will begin shortly after the World Series between that 10-day window of the last game the World Series played and then players and teams that have options have to decide within those 10 days of what they're going to do before players are officially released into free agency and then the market is open. We'll, we'll start seeing some trades, some players sign. 
I don't know how quickly the market is going to move. It's not going to, it's probably not going to move like it did last year pre-lockout. That was absolutely crazy. It was a lot of fun, but it was at a very crazy pace. Um, but we'll see what the pace is 10 days after the the World Series. But for a team like the White Sox, Jim, they got to start preparing. Uh, and mm -hmm. it sounds like at the final, well, I didn't even know that was going to be the end of the year press conference. I would assume that after the season ended, the White Sox would have the end of the year press conference. But hey, Tony's talking, so why not? Let's not let's go ahead and treat this as the end of the year press conference. The the one thing that really sticks in my craw, and you laugh, Jim, because you know there's a lot of things that stick in my craw, but the mm -hmm. thing that is just like jabbing me from Rick Hahn's press conference is the goal to say that we have to earn the fans' trust back. Now, my, the first thing that I thought of was, wow, season ticket renewals must be way down. Mm -hmm. And then he followed that up with, especially in the upcoming months and, and next season. Upcoming months and next season are two totally different points of time. The upcoming months is the offseason and the moves that he's going to make. And then the season itself. For the front office, this offseason, we could say this almost every offseason. It's incredibly important. Last offseason was incredibly important. And we were ready to give him a D- minus before he traded Craig Kimbrell for A.J. Pollock. This offseason, I, 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 yeah, this is where I have to pose this question because tomorrow, for those that are watching the live stream, Jim and I will be joining Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes on 670 The Score at 11 a.m. Central Time to have a roundtable discussion about this. What's the objective for the White Sox front office? If they're going to try to gain trust back from the White Sox fan base, what's the objective? Are you trying to win the World Series in 2023, or is this offseason about shedding payroll? I don't like it almost sounds like it could be dangerous. Like we're going to make a splash. Like we're going to make so many moves. Your heads will spin like just, you know, almost like a, a manic cycle after such a depressive season and, you know, really just want, you know, something more balanced and, and, and level to understand that things are being done responsibly and soberly. But yeah, it's, you know, I, I didn't know what to make of his press conference. You know, the things that, you know, I took away is that he's been around for 20 odd years. Like he can't even precisely, uh, account for how long he's been with the White Sox and how long the Kenny Williams, Rick Hahn pecking order has existed within the White Sox running it. Like that's a long time for a team that has accomplished so little, especially since 2005, like what they've accomplished, you know, 08, 12, 21. I don't even count 20 because they were third place. Like that team might've been falling apart. Uh, they might've needed to fire Rick Renteria by the uh, deadline or by like the all-star break. Had there been an all-star break during this game season. So they were the seventh seed again. That was yeah. an eight. That was an eight team postseason in 2020. Yes. They were 35 and 25, but they were 18 and two against the Royals and Tigers gym. They were 17 and 23 against everyone else. Yes. And yeah, they're in there falling apart towards the end. Like first team to clinch last team, like get in like first team to clinch a spot, but uh, you know, they just, you know, fell apart and you know, end up in third place. So that wasn't a team that was really feeling sturdy. And then the AL central didn't show up off 2021. So, I mean, we talked about it before, like, you know, that they're, especially during the first half of the season, when you realize like, huh, they're taking a long time getting things going. And we realized like with last year in 2021, that their metal really wasn't tested. Like they spent the entire second half 
getting ready for postseason resting guys and treating games as non uh, or inconsequential and series outcomes as inconsequential as long as they had like a substantial lead in the AL Central, which they did for months. And by the time they got to Houston and you know, Houston basically undressed them in four games, it was a sign that like, oh, this team needs to get better. And they didn't really get better. And they haven't gotten better like over the last several acquisition periods going back, you know, they, they drafted Garrett Crochet and they, they traded for Kimbrell and Tapera and they, you know, just like they, they've, you know, gone for Joe Kelly and Graveman and you know, all these relievers, Deakman, you know, and just, there isn't a, you know, like they're just short on fixtures. I think that's what, you know, this Jose Abreu, um, you know, his absence and thinking about the, what the White Sox lineup looks without him. Like it's amazing just how few fixtures they've developed uh, over this time. And, you know, when I think I th the thing that stuck in my craw, uh, listening and, and watching Haas talking about like how they wanted to give him executive of the year two years ago and how they're talking that world series favorites. Now, you know, they think they should be out of their jobs. Like, yeah, if it disappeared on you so fast and you hadn't accomplished anything before date, maybe it was a mirage. So, I mean, like, you know, it, I'm not sure, you know, some people didn't read it as, um, condescendingly as i did you know and i admit that i am probably i did I'm, yeah. I'm i'm with you jim i did yeah, yeah i mean like I, yeah but i admit like i'm i'm predisposed to maybe take the most cynical read of a lot of things han says so yeah i appreciate other people saying like yeah, i'm not sure about that because you know perhaps it is a case where i'm skewed but like uh yeah just i i really don't like when han like invokes twitter or public opinion or just like things that you know he just inflates and then dismisses like Oh, we had people saying that we should trade blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah. And who are those people? Nobody's like, they just, you know, your record is your record. What people think of you doesn't matter uh, or what people wanted to see or what people, yeah. Yeah. Random, you know, Twitter or uh, baseball America, what have you thought you were doing, you know, versus what you actually did. Like that's what matters. So that's, I think what drives me nuts is just, you know, he it falls back on like the unwashed public masses and how, you know, easy they are to, you know, uh, go overboard and it's like who cares like just you know, win some games he, he won his 700th game but i think he's got like 890 losses on his record since he took over his gm like the record says what it says and it says nothing jim and i have more to discuss about the upcoming offseason for the chicago white Sox after a quick word from our sponsors we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one thing Rick Hahn accomplished was that he made Tony LaRusso look better in that in that final press conference. And yeah. after, you know, Tony LaRusso presented, he had his opening statement and he took blame for how this season went. And I appreciate that for someone that, you know, he underachieved as a manager. He didn't do the job and he admitted he didn't get the job done that he was hired and brought to Chicago to do. I appreciate take being that accountable, even though the health situations make it a very difficult day for Tony LaRusso. The day before your birthday, you have to retire again and you have to let the public know there's a second underlying health issue that we don't know about that's preventing him from working full time in baseball again. I mean, that that's, mm-hmm. that's a tough birthday. Uh, and then the general manager follows up with, with that. Yeah. And, and again, <laughs> again, they're going to earn our trust, Jim. Mm-hmm. He, Rick Khan, is going to earn our trust. And when they make decisions, though, remember, it's a collaborative effort. It's just not Rick Khan. It's Jerry. It's Kenny. It's Jeremy Haber. It's Chris Getz. So that if you it's, don't like it's it, Ron remember, Kittle. <laughs> it's Ron Kittle. Ozzie Guillen. Because uh, remember, if the South next Paul. manager, if the next manager doesn't work, it was a collaborative effort. It wasn't yeah. my decision. But if it mm-hmm. does work out, remember, it was probably my idea. Uh, that, yeah. That's how he wants us to handle this. Yeah, bottom line is the Guardians pantsed him by 11 games. They weren't trying this winter to win. The Orioles, playing in a way tougher division, finished with a better record than the White Sox by two games. They weren't trying to win. Like, they just, they they punted on the winter. They thought, like, next year might be the, the time it's uh, we're ready to go. But this winter, we're still hoarding our resources and, and and not putting forth a real major league payroll. And those teams had better record than the White Sox team trying its best and spending more money than ever. And that's, you know, basically, you know, Rick Hahn went full John Paxson. Like, you know, if I thought I couldn't do the job, I wouldn't be in this job. Like, who cares? <laughs> like, who, who cares what you think? Like, even if you thought you couldn't do the job, you wouldn't leave the job. It pays well. It pays. It, you live where you want to live. Uh, you're secure. You can just kind of repeat the same quotes. You show up once a month and and uh, you know, rely on your law training to not say anything of substance. And uh, then you know check out for four weeks. And then come back into the picture and and re- reheat the same statements. And uh, you know 
nothing improves, especially SoxFest. Now, now with SoxFest uh, not happening, and I don't think it is, like they, have they officially tabled SoxFest or anything like it? So based on the conversations that I had with White Sox personnel in San Diego, I think they're still planning on having SoxFest. They just didn't know where the location was. But as you mentioned it, I mean, usually it's it's hosted in January. We've hosted events, Jim. If you still don't know if you're going to have a fan convention in October, nor have you announced where it's going to be hosted, maybe you are right. Maybe it's not happening. I mean, for crying out loud, we announced where our next meetup is going to be, Cincinnati, <laughs> Ohio, on May 5th through the 7th, 2023, to give everyone plenty of time and heads up of when this is going to be happening. So maybe because we don't know, maybe it won't happen. I don't know. I guess it's still up in the air. I think it's happening, but we don't have a site. And is it going to be like in the stadium club? For... Instead of a three-day thing, it's just a, <laughs> it's just four hours. Yeah, and it's like 50 <laughs> people show up paying a, a couple thousand apiece. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would be, that'd be rough. That would be rough. Uh, I really appreciate the comments right now that are coming in for those that are watching the live feed. If you're listening to the podcast feed, when we do have our live streams on youtube.com slash socks machine, you can participate by sending us questions and comments. One of the things that was just brought to our attention from, uh, from Timothy, he wrote to us, why would he say anything? He being Rick Khan of substance when the one time he did ask me after the parade, people have hunted around his neck every chance they get. Yes, Tim. We will continue to do that because it was a ridiculous comment that he made in 2019 when they hadn't accomplished anything yet, but he was so smug and confident that they were going to reach the final destination that his plan was absolutely foolproof and it was going to work and they were going to win a world series title and he would shove it in everyone's faces. And here we are. And October yeah. 5th, 2022, talking about an 81 and 81 White Sox team having to say goodbye to Jose Abreu because of financial restrictions the White Sox are going to have to operate for next year because they're paying Joe Kelly $9 million. They're paying Kendall Graveman $8 million. Jake Diekman's getting $3.5 million. They have no starting pitching depth because their AAA team only had two starting pitchers on their roster. Pets' heads are falling off. And this is where we're <laughs> heading to for the off season. Yeah. I mean, the, the ask me about the, or ask me after the parade comments. I, that's one case where I'm inclined to give him a little bit of a charitable reading, just because I took it to mean at the time that like their work isn't done until they win a title. Like that's how I thought, you know, when I first read that and you're kind of like the Frank Menachino F the home run comment, like when, <laughs> which was very much about like Andrew Vaughn, you know, they didn't want him to sell it for power. They thought he was getting some decent results with his at bats and they didn't want him to get out of his current mode of, of progress to try to chase home runs. Uh, you know, that got rubbed in his face. Like I, I thought there was a little bit of a misreading in, in Hans asking me after the parade, but it was also a case where like, it's also setting just ridiculous expectations to say like parade is the only standard of success when the White Sox haven't even accomplished, you know, consecutive division titles. Like there are so many rungs below championships that could be construed as like, you know, job well done, or this is where we want to be, uh, you know, somewhere between the vague idea of sustainable success. Uh, but you know, before parades to where like, you don't get fans, you know, you know, amped up or, you know, or like, you know, I guess 
seeing it as the only wrong and, and, and having Han be in a position where like, that's all he thinks is worthwhile because you know, like this Dodger season, uh, if we were following this Dodger season, 110 wins, like we'd be saying like, I hope they win it all because it'll feel like a lot of people will be disappointed if they didn't win. But this season has been a hell of a lot of fun regardless. Like that's the test mm-hmm. of a team is 162 games. And when you win 110 out of those 162 games, that shows you built a hell of a team. And well, you know, whatever. Look at, look at Queens on that point. Mets yeah. fans. That Mets team won 100 games. They won 100 games. They did not hold on to win the National League East. And there are people in New York saying the Mets – 2022 season ends in disappointment. Okay, yeah, but your team won 100 games. You're hosting playoff games this upcoming weekend, and you're in the postseason, and you're the number four seed. And your team won 100 games. Like, how is that disappointing? Yeah, it's 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 just a zero-sum uh, approach to the discussion that I don't care for. And when Han said, like, ask me at the parades, like, you know, I rolled my eyes just because, like, I hate when – seasons are chalked up as a success or a failure based on whether they were the last of 30 teams standing, which is very, 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 very difficult to do. And the 162 game test, like if they won the division again by 12 games and they won 98 games and then they you know got knocked out in the ALCS or maybe even the ALDS again, you may say like, well, that was disappointing, but Han built a good team. Like there are some things that the front office can do. And then it's up to the players to, you know, try to break down those smaller series and samples into favorable chunks for them. You like the front office can't be in the dugout for that. So, I mean, like the front office's job is to build, build good teams that fans feel good about going into October and whatever happens happens. So when he brought parades, that just like, that drove me nuts on a personal level because I don't, yeah, I find October baseball to be less enjoyable than September baseball. And uh, to set up all for October when you don't even know if he can build a team to get deep into October, just said like, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's running before you can walk running before you can crawl even. Well, it, it's like totally forget what happened last off season. He had a terrible off season last year. Mm-hmm. He made white Sox fans really angry with the lack of activity before the lockout. When we knew the lockout date was, and we're seeing all of these big free agents sign Marcus Simeon signed before the lockout. And what do the White Sox have to show for it? Kendall Graveman. Lockout happens, and Rick Hahn says, when the lockout ends, our team will be ready to move and move quickly. That did not happen. And I also forgot about Lurie Garcia was signed before the lockout. Could not forget about that three-year contract they signed Lurie Garcia for. <laughs> the day after my son was born. Yes. And then after the lockout, it's Vince Velasquez and Josh Harrison and let's throw in Joe Kelly one for the road. And they're going to trade for Adam Hazley for outfield depth. Like that's what you spent the, the biggest free agent signing period for the Chicago White Sox in terms of actual cash spent. That is what you spent it on. And now you're asking White Sox fans to trust you that they're going to make the right decisions and, and get this turned around. So no, chalk me as someone who doesn't trust Rick Hahn and the White Sox front office to make the right moves. And out of the two options, are the White Sox trying to win the World Series in 2023 or are they trying to cut payroll? I think it's pretty clear. They're going to cut payroll. Now they're going to twist it and they're going to say, well, we think we can cut payroll and be competitive. 
No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. I, I've, it reminds me of my uh, newsroom days where, you know, jobs are, are vacated and never refilled and, and, you know, layoffs happen and we're not, we're not downsizing, we're smart sizing, or, you know, we're going to be, uh, or, you know, running a, a tighter operation, but we're just going to learn how to be more resourceful with what we have. Like, and, and as I've, we've learned in newspapers, like you cannot grow by cutting and some teams can, like some teams can like not spend and shift things to internal solutions and, you know, turn positions over to untested players and get by with that, you know, cover, you know, kind of comb over, uh, weaker patches of their roster until that fills in with talent internally or, you know, acquisitions later. But in this case, like, you know, the White Sox don't have that depth internally. The the depth that does show up takes a while to establish itself, if it ever does. And we've seen them spend a record amount of money and get nothing from it. So, like, you know, I don't trust Rick Hahn to do more with more, so I'm certainly not going to trust him to do more with less. Yeah, especially when he's cutting or moving players and saying the trade market is going to be more fruitful. We did that sauna dance with Craig Kimbrell. We mm-hmm. did. We just went through that. And we just went through the trade deadline that the only player you acquire was Jake Diekman. And then you try to sell, you try to pass it off that I'm as upset as the fans are, man. <laughs> I, 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 I am, I am out of patience with Rick Hahn. I am just over it with him. And if he, if he, and, and honestly, Jim, if it's a collaborative process and he's just a press secretary, please find another press secretary, have someone else speak mm-hmm. to the media. Even if Rick Hahn is part of the brain trust, that's fine. I just don't want to hear from him anymore. Find someone else to speak to the media and share what this aging out of date brain trust is thinking and the upcoming moves. That's, also Reese that's McGuire might be the Red Sox starting catcher next year. There you go. Excellent. That's great to hear. Jake Diekman is awesome. I'm glad he's on the team for next year. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk about the early thoughts on the offseason budget. So I am one to think that the White Sox will be cutting budget. And we mentioned this a few podcasts ago, but I'm going to bring up this point again. You, can, If you Google search COTS, C-O-T-S, contracts, White Sox, uh, it's a very useful resource from baseball uh, prospectus in which they track as far as the historical opening day payrolls for franchises. And you can see what it looks like coming ahead. It's a very useful tool, especially for those that participate in the Sox machine offseason plan project. And I, and I brought that up a few podcasts ago because when the white Sox have spent, when they have increased spending the following year, they have cut spending by 20 to $30 million. As a reminder, the Chicago White Sox started opening day in 2022 with a $193 million payroll, by far the largest opening day payroll in franchise history by tens of millions of dollars. Uh, And if history holds true, Jim, I'm thinking the offseason budget is going to get the the payroll budget is going to get cut by 20 to $30 million. So we're going to be looking at a 165 to 175 million dollar payroll for the Chicago White Sox rolling into 2023. What are your early thoughts of what the possible offseason budget could be for the White Sox? I'm thinking along the same lines, like 160, 170 in that range. Um, no reason for it aside from just um, 
subtracting some salaries like Keuchel's off the books, Abreu's off the books, you know, perhaps they are able to, uh, you know, offload Liam Hendricks or something like that to, you know, knock the number lower. But there is a lot of fixed money on this payroll, like the contracts to Moncada and Jimenez are there and taking up a lot. You have uh, Lucas Giolito, a interesting decision to make with him entering the last year of arbitration. Like, you know, he's a case where hard to see him traded, but I could see a team having an interest in him, you know, versus, you know, trading for or, or signing for a, a starter they don't think is going to be as good as Lucas Giolito in a prove-it year uh, when they need instant results. So I could see him maybe being moved and the White Sox trying to decrease the amount invested in that rotation spot if they don't think they're going to get that kind of number two performance out of Giolito. So there are some moves to be made, but it it's going to take some some clever uh, work, some, some, you know, reallocation some some certainly a lack of sentiment uh in order to get this done uh you really have to you know that's why i think a lot of fans including myself like just want to see somebody else because i think it takes somebody who doesn't know anything about the white Sox, or in terms of like doesn't have an emotional connection to the white Sox, doesn't have an emotional connection to the players you know looks at what they've done certainly has seen them you know has looked at film looked at you know has scouts looked at them, uh, you know, has had their staffers look at them, uh, you know, data, uh, eye test, you know, everything. Just saying like, you know, it, can Aloy Jimenez stay healthy for an entire season? Can Luis Roberts stay healthy for an entire season? Like just trying to, you know, use all of the information available without like having the pride of having traded for Jimenez or having signed Robert getting in the way of exactly what those guys can do for your team. Like that's why I wanted to see somebody else in charge just so you didn't have that overriding we really want this to work because it'd make us feel so good if it did. Like there are a lot of things that might not work about this roster. And I don't trust Han to be able to uh, tell that because it seems like, you know, between Han and Kenny Williams, like they're really concerned with, you know, or at least overly concerned with uh, sticking it to fans or, or really concerned with like what people said they would or wouldn't do. And you know, we've heard Han bring it up multiple times. Like, oh, they said we wouldn't trade with the Cubs. They said we wouldn't rebuild. They said, you know, yeah, and we said you wouldn't sign a nine-figure contract, and you didn't do that. And you said that we wouldn't fire manager in, in season, and you didn't do that. Like, you have you still have done a lot of things. You, you still haven't done a lot of things we said you'd never do because you don't do them, and you can't, and your whole organization can't, and your whole decision-making apparatus is designed to just – obfuscate and delay and and defray responsibility until nobody feels any heat so yeah there's plenty of reasons to still not trust you so uh that's why i wanted them just gone uh even though i didn't expect them to be but just you know when it comes to like hopes uh i mentioned this on twitter like but i, I was just picturing you know time and time again like just how good it would feel if somebody else were running this team just imagine the relief of not having any kind of track record weighing you down like, oh, there really are endless possibilities because we don't know anything about what this new GM is going to do. Uh, it's so nice to think about. Like, it's so nice to uh, just be freed from that. And then, you know, reality kicks in like, oh, yeah. It's Then I get the Aaron Bummer face after he walks out the mound, just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. At least four more years of this and just – until I, you know, you put in my service time to get you know, a certain amount of pension. Like that's really like what I'm thinking about here. Yeah, it's it's not good. This episode's quickly becoming reasons we do not like Rick Hahn as White Sox general manager uh, yeah. for this Sox machine live. But again, when we're talking about the offseason, we're talking about the offseason budget. 
for those that are planning, like I have, I've made my virtual whiteboard and try to make up. All right. If I working with the players that the white Sox currently have, what does the 26 man roster look like for 2023 is a starting point. And then that's where I start making moves and areas that I can improve upon. If AJ Pollock opts in, I'm at $170 million with the current players that they have, Jim. Yeah. If AJ Pollock opts out, you're at 162 million. So back to that comment that Rick Hahn made about building trust, especially the upcoming months. The White Sox, if they're going to add, they're going to have to rob Peter to pay Paul. They're going to have to move players that are in the current roster off of the roster to try to fix and patch other holes. So they got to punch a hole in one area of the roster in hopes of approving in another. And man, this is where your player development fails you. Uh, It's gotten better (laughs) this year. It, mm-hmm. it has gone better. They produced two top 100 prospects. Unfortunately, one of them you're going to have to use next season in Oscar Colas uh, and one tried to improve internally in a corner outfield spot and Colson Montgomery. I don't know if you're ready to trade him, but it's like just looking at these players. We talked about Jose Braves last game. I don't think Adam Engel's coming back. I don't think Jose Ruiz is coming back. When people ask who are the most attractive trade assets, listen, there's going to be a very good team that doesn't win the world series this year because of high leverage issues. And that team, if Liam Hendricks is available, will be calling the Chicago white Sox about acquiring Liam Hendricks, because if he gets traded, his 2024 club option suddenly gets vested and he becomes a two year, $29 million closer. Well, look at how much money closers are making in the open market. Boy, Liam Hendricks is pretty cheap. And he's still one of the best closers in the game. So that is someone that other teams would be interested in inquiring from the Chicago White Sox. There's a lot of other players. Well, what about Yasmani? Nobody wants Yasmani Grandal. Nobody wants Grandal. No one, no one wants Yon Mikata. I'm not even sure if the White Sox truly want Yasmani Grandal and Yon mm-hmm. Mikata for 2023. They are paying them. Uh, so it's going to be, those guys are like impossible to move. But when you're starting to look ahead and we're going to get these questions of like, what could the White Sox possibly do? Like Liam Hendricks is a name that I've circled on. You may have to trade him. Maybe you have to trade Kendall Graveman because he had performed at some point in this season and he's only owed $8 million. Do you contemplate moving Tim Anderson? He's really cheap and the shortstops are not cheap in free agency if a team's looking to patch the shortstop position, but boy, if you want to just crater, just crater fan loyalty, trade Tim Anderson away in an off season that Jose Abreu, you let him walk away. Uh, the fan loyalty. Uh, I forgot what that game is uh, that everybody plays. Uh, the, the baseball general managing game that comes out. Baseball every mogul. Year. Uh, out yeah. Of the park? yeah. Out of the park. Yeah. Uh, that fan loyalty will probably go from where it's at. Like what? 40 to like four. Uh, if they were yeah. to trade Tim Anderson. Well, although if they trade Tim Anderson, I would have to respect the, like the, I guess, willingness to um, move on just because he, you know, he's had trouble staying healthy, staying on the field. Um, you know, we saw them stick to uh, him in the leadoff spot, even though he was a shell of himself from the groin injury. So, I mean, we've seen what 
being over loyal to Tim Anderson looks like uh, in the face of not getting results. So if they traded him, I would actually be intrigued. You know, you have to see what their turn is, obviously. And, and like, just, you know, if they're selling for pennies on the dollar just to get out from under the contract versus actually getting somebody intriguing. Yeah. If they're looking just to cut costs versus actually like getting a talent back, like, It'd be interesting. Like he'd be one of the guys I think I'd be most open to moving just because when you lose hmm. 40 games a year from that position uh, and, and he's done that uh, three out of four years and the fourth year was a 60 game schedule. Um, it does. That is the one area to where like they might actually come out ahead by moving. So it, it really depends on what kind of shortstop that you get, but I, I'm bringing these up as topics that we're going to be talking about all off season, Jim. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when, when, when fans are getting ready for their off season plan projects or trying to follow the news along with us at Sox machine of what the white Sox are doing. I think at this moment, we're bringing these topics again, we're going to be talking yeah. about this more in depth tomorrow and six, seven, the score with Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes in that round table discussion. But before we sign off here, obviously this is also a big topic and we've already talked about our short list for possible managers when the rumors were coming out that Tony Russo was not going to be returning. The question I have for you about the manager, how mm-hmm. quickly do you think the White Sox are going to move in finding a new manager? I think it'll tell us something about their short list if, like, say, Joe Espada, you know, who's the Astros bench coach, the Houston Astros make a long run in October, like, if they're truly doing a process where he's involved and they've identified him as like a compelling possibility, then they should wait until he can be interviewed and hired to make that decision. So I think like as long as it takes is a cop-out answer, but I think, you know, when you have like Matt Quattraro uh, in Tampa, you know, if they make a run and he's on their list, like wait it out. There's no reason to rush. Uh, we've seen what it looks like when they um, truncate the decision-making Robin Ventura, Rick Renteria, Tony La Russa, like that's bad. So I don't mind them dragging their feet. Like, I mean, last time around with La Russa, they took forever to announce his staff. Like AJ Hinch was hired and then, you know, they announced the rest of the Tiger staff in pretty quick succession. Whereas La Russa, because the DUI charge was hanging over his head, everything was very piecemeal and like, didn't understand like whether people wanted to work for him even. And, you know, what kind of candidates would be available for him to, uh, you pick up and whether he'd actually be able to be a white Sox manager or whether he'd be serving like brief amount of jail time <laughs> in spring training. So like you had that hanging over everything to where like that dragged the process. So in this case, I would like to see the manager process be the one that takes you know a fair amount of deliberation and making sure you have the right guy. And then hopefully a seamless process of filling out the staff after that. But Here's also hoping that like, yeah, I saw Daryl Boston fielding a foul ball and joking it up and being like, oh, I hope that's the last time I see Daryl Boston or yeah, last time I see Joe McEwing. Just a lot of guys who have been here for three plus managers and uh, really, you know, there's been no evidence of helping. So I just wouldn't mind wholesale changes above the roster level because they need as much outside help as they can get. If it's not coming from the front office, it needs to come from you. Know, hopefully the manager and who the manager knows, because yeah, I don't think the, uh, executive suites are going to be uh, as open to getting new blood. So Joe Maddie gets hired in two weeks. All right. Excellent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know I keep doing this to you. I keep bringing up yep. AJ Pruszynski's name. It makes you ugh. I bring up Joe. Hey, Joel, that's, a, that's a new one that makes me out. Cause I hadn't really thought of that until I think it was Steve Greenberg and the sun times. 
said hire Madden and like, no, I just, you know, in, I didn't really react to it beyond that just because like, it did seem like a, I want to get some angry tweets with this column. Like, you know, it was bait and I did not take it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be asked this question again tomorrow in six, seven, the score and who we think would be a good manager for the white Sox and what kind of manager the, the white Sox will need. So I know we're touching on a lot of topics here in this episode of Sox machine live, as we say, good riddance to the 2022 season, but Jim and I are also setting the stage in future podcasts and columns that we're going to be covering the white Sox during the off season on SoxMachine.com. So yes, the season is over, but our work is not. And as we all know, as white Sox fans, it's only going to get more dramatic from here and we'll see what the breaking news is all about and we'll debate and get angry together on the types of moves uh, that the Chicago White Sox make. I guess I, I should keep myself open to be surprised. We have been surprised in a positive way before by the White Sox. And that was before 2020 season. They really haven't surprised us in a good way lately. But I, I should still keep that door open to be pleasantly surprised by a move that the Chicago White Sox make. But the state of the Chicago White Sox coming into this offseason is in really shaky ground. Everyone that talks about this team, media and fans alike, nobody really has a good understanding of what direction the White Sox are going to take, especially if the business does not allow them to spend out of the mess that they're currently in when everything suggests that maybe you should continue to spend out of the troubles that you currently have going into next season. And when you add in, it's hard to trust the White Sox front office, Jim. It makes for a really messy situation where you are second-guessing everything that the White Sox do this upcoming offseason. On the positive side, we are no longer in the minority of people who don't trust Rakan. I think a lot of people are, yes, <laughs> I think a lot of people are on the same page now. So I guess good for us. If you did leave us, uh, you know, bad reviews here and there saying that we're too negative. If you feel like taking them down, it'd be great. I'm just <laughs> speaking of people who uh, care about what things uh, other people say. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, it's just that's. There's a reason why we've been skeptical this whole time of just, you know, what we've seen. And, you know, believe me, like our numbers are so much better when the White Sox are good traffic wise, listens wise. Like there's no reason for us to not be leading the hype train if there were a hype train to lead. So, uh, yeah, there's no money. Yeah, I guess there's. You, you can forge an identity in being negative for negative sake, but yeah, it's really just. There, there isn't money really to be found in that unless you're really clever about it. Uh, but I'm not. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what we got. As a, one of our Patreon supporters, as it rec wrote to us during the live stream, Rick Hahn bringing people together. Yeah. Absolutely. It very much is the bulls. Like the, uh, he went full John Paxson and the, the end of the John Paxson Gar Foreman era, the last couple of years, especially Jim Boylan, like that was that, was probably the most inspired 
community I've seen result from a bad team, like the way Bulls fans reacted in the blogospheres and podcasts, like that was really inspired and great. And I really enjoyed reading it and just following the coverage. So there's that. So maybe we can generate our own. Um, yeah, just it, it's kind of like gallows humor, except nobody ever shows up the gallows. We're just staring at empty gallows. Well, let's, Hey, you know what? Let's, uh, let's, let's do that parade. Let's do that fake parade in December where we all bar hop between 35th and 31st on Morgan street, visit antique taco, visit Martinez's and at Maria's all share some beers and a good laugh about how the 2022 season went and agonize and what the winter meetings holds for the Chicago dust, White Sox. Dust off your high school brass instruments. You know, just get a trumpet, a trombone and uh, march until the neighbors start yelling. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that will do it for this episode of Sox Machine Live as we wanted to stream shortly after the last regular season of the 2022 season. We are very grateful for everyone that watched us and listened to our, to our shows Throughout the 2022 regular season, we got a lot more content coming your guys' way. We're not going to be every day like we are in the regular season, but you'll be getting two podcast episodes a week from us. There's a lot of news that's going to be coming up in October that Jim and I have to parse through and discuss. We'll also have our 2022 season player reviews where we'll recap on how specific players did and then look ahead to 2023 by providing some constructive criticisms and pointing out some things that we like for them to approve upon, or we as fans and media should be paying attention to entering into the 2023 seasons. I love those in-depth conversations. And I think it was great to help us prepare for this upcoming season when we did them last off season, just to give you a taste of what's upcoming this off season. And of course the off season plan project is just a few weeks away on SoxMachine.com, which is always a blast to see and how everyone else as the acting general manager of the Chicago White Sox would handle this upcoming offseason for the White Sox. So those are the things to look forward to. And again, thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of Sox Machine Live. And if you enjoy your work and you want more, you can help support us at patreon.com slash SoxMachine, where our Patreon supporters they get more, they get exclusive content, they get ad-free versions of both the podcast and the website, and they also get new Socks Machine swag. And I am buying time on the stream so Jim can don the new swag we've been teasing about and look at that handsome scarf. Oh, this old thing? Hmm. <laughs> it looks good. Yeah, looks I'm very good. pleased. So just they just showed up today, so I'll be putting... Uh, the page up shortly and uh, Patreon supporters will be getting a note with a new promo code, especially those at the uh, five and 10 war tiers to uh, let them know the uh, discount codes. And so, yeah, be on the lookout over the next 24 hours or so. Yes. And uh, I, it's such a great idea and they look awesome. So again, if you're a Patreon supporter, you can sign up at patreon.com slash socks machine. You'll be the first ones to get the new socks machine scarves. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Socks Machine. Please do follow Jim on Twitter. He is a couple thousand behind me. So please follow at Socks Machine as we try to get to 10,000 to unlock other features on Twitter. And if you watch Socks Machine live for this episode, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Socks Machine. If you don't get an opportunity to watch the live stream 
or don't watch the videos on YouTube, you can always subscribe to the Sox Machine podcast wherever you listen to podcasts such as Spotify and Apple Music. Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, your own for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening. <laughs>